Thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always so encouraged to know and learn of the ways how God is using this ministry to work in the lives of others. If you have a story about how this ministry has touched your life or how God is working in your life right now, we ask that you let us know and send us an email at amen at yourepicenter.com. If you'd like to support us financially, you may do so online so that we can continue to bring you messages just like this one every week. Today's message is from Lead Pastor Mark Knight, and our hope is that you are truly encouraged by today's message along your journey. Are you ready for the word? You ain't ready. Hey, let me read, let me read something to you. Take, take your Bibles out and, and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Thank you for the excitement on the stage. <laughs> Everybody else, I, I know you're excited about it. You were just turning around trying to find your mobile device or your Bible. So I'm going to give you another opportunity. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. <laughs> Today... We're beginning a brand new series called Forget You. Some of you are thinking about song. <laughs> How many of you know the song? Forget You. Shame on you, but that's all right. Just kidding. It has nothing to do with the song, but it does have everything to do with the principle of Scripture, and that is to live outside of yourself. Living a life of selflessness, not selfishness. Hence, forget you. Well, I want to begin the series today in a little different format than what we generally do, and you'll see why in a few minutes. But, but I do want to kind of take you to a passage of Scripture that we will probably reference a few times throughout the series. It's in Philippians chapter 2. The first thing that I want you to see before I even read this is if you have like subtitles in your Bible, you'll see, I'm reading from the NIV this morning, you'll see that the subtitle for today's um, chapter 2 is or Imitating Christ's Humility. Imitating Christ's humility. Emphasis on imitating. Everyone say imitating. Touch the person to your right and say imitating. Now touch the person to your left and say, are you an imitator? (laughs) I I always love doing that if you're sitting on like an aisle seat. But there's, there's strong significance in what Paul is writing and what others who have put together the word of God and since given subtitles to when it talks about imitating Christ's humility and and keep that in the back of your mind because there's great significance to it when you understand what Paul is talking about here here's what he writes he says if you and, and if you hear something here that absolutely just speaks to your spirit it's okay to let the Lord know it if you hear it here okay it says if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort In other words, if you've ever received any comfort from his love, praise the Lord for the dude down front. If any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. But watch this, verse 3, here's where it gets difficult. The plot clots, so to speak. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. <laughs> mm, how many of you know that's pretty difficult? How many of you are like, yeah, sign me up for that? Consider others better than yourself. Say, what? Look at verse 4. It says, each of you should, should look not only to your own interests, 
but also to the interest of others. Now, now, I want you to think about this with me for a moment. How many of you know sometimes we get caught up in the issues of our lives? And when we're wrapped up in the issues of our lives, we cannot see the issues in other people's lives. Why? Because the issues on the inside are controlling or keeping us, I should say, from ministering to the needs that are on the outside. We have a saying around here, if you see a hurt, feel it. If you see a need, feel it. If you see a hurt, heal it. If you see the need, then feel it. If you see the hurt, then heal it. Well, how many of you know sometimes we're hurting on the inside, and when we're hurting on the inside, the last thing that we're thinking about is someone else's hurt. But the truth is, the issues in your life that the enemy is using to keep you from ministering to others, if you'll grab hold of Jesus, the the greatest struggles in your life will become the greatest area that God will use you. And that's pretty good. We just finished a series called Fear Not. And, And the area that you're gripped by fear in more than anything else, the reason for that is because the enemy has basically placed a target upon your back. And he wants you to be fearful in that area so that your faith will give way to fear. But, but here is the deal. The reason why you're a target is because you are a threat. The reason why you're going through some of the difficulties that you're going through is because the enemy is trying to keep you from where God intends for you to be. And in order for you to get there, sometimes you've got to minimize the issues on the inside so that you can address the issues on the outside. The outside of you. Forget you. Watch what I mean by this because look at the next part. It says, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, he is the creator of the universe. But he said, you know what? As cool as this gig is, I'm not going to let it keep me from saving humanity. Because look at the next verse. It says, verse 7. But made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Can we say, forget you? He took off all of the royal robes that came with being the king, if you will, and he placed upon himself, and some of your translations say this, he placed upon himself flesh. And the word for flesh in the Greek there it actually means stinky. In other words, the creator became the created. Why? He lived outside of himself so that he could address the issues that are going on inside of you so that you could grasp his love and deal with the issues that are happening in someone else's life. And when you begin to deal with the issues that are happening in someone else's life, all of a sudden you begin to have healing in your life. Why? Because that's the laws of Scripture. Sowing and reaping. Now, here's something cool. It was totally unplanned, but I want you to see this. Skip with me over one more chapter. You got to see this. Everybody say imitating. Watch this. Look at verse 10 of chapter 3. He says this. Paul writes, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Woo! Hold on a second. Paul's getting real serious now. He says, I want to know. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to share in his sufferings. And then he says, Becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. In other words, he truly wants to imitate Jesus. This is powerful. And yet we have trouble imitating Jesus by just going to tell our neighbor about him. And he's saying, 
put me on a cross the same way he did. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to experience the difficulties. Why? Why? Because, you know, Paul understood something. He understood that if you were being persecuted for the cause of Christ, then you were doing something right. Here's what's beautiful. He writes this from a prison cell. He writes this from a prison cell, and Paul writes two-thirds of the New Testament. Here's the deal. Here's what I'm trying to get at. He's imitating Christ in the most difficult of situations. How many of you know sometimes God teaches us things, but he doesn't use the classroom to teach us? He doesn't necessarily use the church to teach us, but he uses the aggravation of life or the agitation of life. But let me tell you something. Maybe you need to start looking at your agitation in a different way. Maybe your agitation is an education. Because for Paul, really, when you read this and get to the depths of what he's saying, what we can discover is that it really didn't matter where Paul was at. It didn't matter what place Paul found himself. What mattered was that Paul was going to use the love of Christ to change that place. Why? Because the greatest struggle that you have, maybe that you're having right now, is the place that God will use you the greatest. Forget you. That's just a bit of this series. It's just a small bit. In fact, are you ready for the word today? The word today is going to be brought to you from someone else, a dear friend of mine. He's going to do part one. We really rarely do this. But I want him to bring part one because he's a missionary, a local missionary that we support. He's one of the greatest ministries that we support is a ministry called Teen Challenge. It's a, it's a ministry to drug addicts and broken who are made whole for the love of Jesus Christ. And it's one of the greatest areas that we take your money and invest in. And today he's going to bring the word to you from his perspective, what God has placed on his heart as we begin part one of forget you. So I want you to put your hands together in a huge way and I want you to welcome Sal DiBianca to the stage. Come on. Come on. So grateful to be here this morning. Thank you, Pastor Mark and Miss Kim. Uh, I've been converted, haven't I? Did you get that, Miss Kim? I'm from Los Angeles, y'all. Believe I've been converted. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here today. You know, I just... Uh, I believe that God has a word for us this morning. I believe that this church is just beginning to experience um, just an, an outpouring of God's spirit that uh, is just getting ready to take you into a place where you've never could imagine God have taken you. I don't think you heard what I said. I'm serious. You know, I just believe that God is going to pour his spirit out in this place in such a way that people are going to leave here on fire and the world is going to watch them burn. And you're going to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth like never before. And the people who are lost and hurting and bruised and wounded are going to find hope and healing through the Jesus that's in you. Come on, somebody say, forget yourself. Absolutely. Blessed be your name, Lord. Thank you so much for your incredible grace in our life. Amen. Does anybody hear her? Does anybody see? Or does anybody even know she's going down today? Under the shadow of our steeple With all the lost and lonely people Searching for the hope that's tucked away In you and me Does anybody hear her? 
Does anybody see? She is running a hundred miles an hour in the wrong direction. She is trying, but the canyon's ever widening through the depths of her gold heart. She steps out on another misadventure just to find she's another two years older and she's three more steps behind. Does anybody hear her? Does anybody see? Or does anybody even know she's going down today? Under the shadow of our steeple With all the lost and lonely people Searching for the hope that's tucked away In you and me Does anybody hear her? Does anybody see? Well, I'm asking the question, does anybody? This morning as we look at missions and um, as we embark on this, this series in this fellowship, uh, I want to just share with you from a passage of scripture in uh, the book of John chapter 4. If you want to grab your Bibles and turn there. Let me just say again that I believe that uh, one of the greatest uh, harvests is getting ready to happen right here in this fellowship. I think the pastor hears me. But do you hear me? Does anybody hear her? Does anybody see? Or does anybody even know she's going down today? You know, the gospel is about others. Turn to your neighbor and say he's talking to you. Yes, it's so good to be born again and to be forgiven of our sins. Amen? Come on, how many of you are thankful for the grace of God in your life? Let's put our hands together and just rejoice in that. Right? But oh, that we would not only rejoice in what's been given to us, but that we would um, do what naturally happens and supernaturally happens when someone has been born again by the Spirit of God and forgiven of their sins, they can't help but pass it on. Somebody say amen. You know, today, as, as I'm here with you in this service and, you know, kicking off looking at missions, you know, it's incredible to me how sometimes we can actually miss seeing the mission field that is around us. And I just want to say thank you so much to this fellowship. Uh, you know, for uh, the last 28 years, my wife and I have been helping people with life-controlling problems, you know, find freedom from addiction and, and, uh, and healing, you know, through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, this morning in this room, you guys have partnered with my wife wife and I, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for your giving. You know, in the first service, um, I don't know if Ian read it this time, but there was a passage of scripture that we looked at about a sweet aroma, and we talked about coffee. How many of you guys like coffee? Come on, wave at me. That's, I'm in good company. That's good. It is a, I love the smell of fresh coffee. But in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 15, it says, and as for you Philippians, Know that at the beginning of the gospel ministry, at the beginning of my gospel ministry, uh, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the ministry or in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. 
And it goes on to say that it was a sweet-smelling fragrance or a sacrifice well-pleasing and acceptable to God. And I just have to tell you this and seize this moment just to say thank you so much. This is one of, one of, the, one of the churches in this district in North Carolina that believed in the ministry of Teen Challenge and gave. And over the last 28 years, we've seen thousands upon thousands of people's lives changed. And you know what? It is to your account. And so I just want to say thank you. You can go ahead and put your hands together. It's true. It's absolutely true. There's another church in Albemarle. I'll never forget. As a matter of fact, uh, in, the first, in the, one of the first ministries that my wife and I ever did, we were, we, we were, we were hauling our two little kids around in, in a station wagon. We didn't even have a van. We're getting ready to open Teen Challenge, our campus, which is about an hour from here. With 20, uh, Let me see. Uh, we have 38 beds there, and we have a campus full of men right now. Matter of fact, they're at another place today doing another service. Mark had asked me to come and speak, and I said, sure, I'll come here, and we'll let them go there. So they're ministering even right now in this moment. But I'll never forget, we went to Albemarle, uh, First Assembly of God there, and uh, we shared the vision. We didn't have students in the program, and uh, we did the same thing here. And I'll never forget that it was on a Wednesday night service, and, um, and we, my wife and I shared, shared the vision, said we needed a van, and, and obviously all kinds of finances that, w- that would come along with uh, having people live in, in our house. And uh, that night, we left there, and we were so discouraged. I don't know if you've ever felt discouraged. How many of you have ever felt discouraged? Okay, how many of you ever just felt like, well, you know, I just don't know if I can go any farther? How many of you ever felt that way? Well, you know, in life, life is like that. And you're going to have mountaintops and you're going to have valleys. And my wife and I were really questioning, God, did you really call us to North Carolina? And we were pretty discouraged, just to be honest. It was on a Wednesday night service. There was a handful of people in that service, and, and we shared the vision of Teen Challenge. We hadn't opened the campus yet, but we were, you know, working feverishly to get things ready to bring in our first students and and I'll never forget, they took up the offering, and they gave us an offering. We're driving home, and my wife and I are talking. We're, we're, we've been questioning God, just to be quite honest. And I'll never forget, I, I, I told my wife, I said, why don't you open the offering, and let's see what, what the church did for us tonight to help us with the mission. Everybody say the mission. Come on, say that again, the mission. What did, what did they do to partner with us for the mission? My wife opened up the envelope, and there was, um, there was like over a $3,000 offering. Yeah, you can say that again if you'd like. Go ahead, Wow. Yeah, we were, we were like blown away. And I'm just telling you that, that that may seem simple or insignificant to you, but it was a voice of God telling us, you know, that if you'll be faithful and if you'll do ministry, that we will have people gather around you and support you so that you can see people's lives changed and transformed by the power of God. This church is another church that, was, that is like that, that at the very beginning of my wife coming to North Carolina, this church said yes. And I just have to say thank you to this body of believers and to the pastors. Uh, Thank you so much for your incredible giving and uh, praying for us and everything that you do to support the ministry of Teen Challenge. As we look at as we look at missions and, and we look at what's happening uh, in, in, the, in the world of Sand Hills Teen Challenge right now, let me just tell you this, that we have recently launched a, uh, an office right across the street from NC State um, on the corner of Western and Gorman. It's actually an outreach and referral center. And uh, we're, we're fielding calls and helping get people connected to the right kind of ministry so that people who are hurting and bruised and wounded can find hope and healing. Amen. It's interesting, like two weeks ago, I went up and I met with all of the, they invited me to come and speak, and um, uh, actually to all of the ministries that are on the NC State campus, their, their leaders, their heads, and uh, they asked me to come and share about our, our new uh, site up there, and, and we cast the vision there about um, reaching into NC State with faith-based support groups. Everybody say faith-based. 
Amen. And so how many of you know that anybody can go into a room and say, hi, my name's Joe and I'm an addict. And we know that the, the, the first place to, to, to finding help is realizing that you have a problem. Amen. But you know what? You don't have to stay there. And the Bible does say this, that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. And so if I believe in my heart that I'm an addict, I'm going to probably be that way the rest of my life. But I, if I believe that I can be a new person in Jesus Christ and that through faith I can walk out of darkness and out of addiction into freedom, that can become my reality. Amen? And the scripture says this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so it's so, it's so important for us to be careful what we meditate on and what we think about. Amen. And so right there at NC State, we're, we're going to be uh, starting some support groups and reaching in. How many of you know that it may be possible that we actually reach people around the world? Because of the people that are foreign students that are coming to that campus and studying. And then also, we're, uh, we actually launched a campus in Kannapolis that is an outreach and referral office now. And is fielding calls there and helping get people connected into Teen Challenges. But it, it's actually a home we've already completed uh, about 90% of the, res- of the renovations, Mark. And uh, we'll actually be opening another home there. And how many of you know that it, the more beds we have, the more people we can help? Come on, somebody wave at me. You guys know that's true. The more, the more beds we have, the more people we can help. And so we're launching that campus in Kannapolis. Um, last month in our office alone, in the, in the Sand Hills Teen Challenge office, people are so desperate and in need right now. We fielded over 400 calls of people, families, and people in addiction calling saying, I need help. And so I just want to ask you to please, uh, please continue to pray for us that God would give us the ability to meet the needs of those who are calling our office and looking for help. About a month ago, um, I had a dear friend of mine, another pastor in the state, call me, and uh, they just got back from Ethiopia. And uh, we have a, uh, an Assembly of God missionary that's there that is reaching out to the community there in Ethiopia. And um, my friends went over, and as they, as they toured the city, um, they found people who were addicted to this drug called CHOT. And uh, it's, a, it's actually a mixture of uh, marijuana and cocaine. And there's an epidemic over there. And they were with missionaries, and they're walking through the, through the city there, and they saw some people actually the night after, uh, you know, uh, in, in the morning, and they're laying in the street naked. As they're walking through the streets, they're seeing people laying naked and, and, and passed out because they're so addicted to this drug called chot. And the missionary said, you know, when you go back to North Carolina, would you please contact Sal, and will you ask him if he would consider coming to Ethiopia and helping us see if maybe there's a possibility that we could start a Teen Challenge men's and women's home here and help these people who have this drug problem. Well, when they asked me that, they came back and they called me and they said, hey, there's such a need over here, it's desperate. And would you consider coming? And so I I thought, well, you know what? I really can't afford it. I'm just being honest with you. I really can't afford it. The ministry of Teen Challenge can't afford to send me to Ethiopia. And so I said, you know what, I, I'll consider it, but you know what, if it's, if it's the will of God, he's going to provide the funds, honestly. I'm just telling you. They, didn't even, they hadn't even invited my wife. They had invited me. And uh, I felt like this. I said, okay, well, if it's the will of God, I'm gonna, you know, we're just going to see if God provides the funds, then I'll go. And then I thought, man, you know what, I really don't need to be away from my wife for that trip. And so I wonder if she would consider it. I'm just going to tell you guys, just being honest, I really didn't think that my wife would even desire to go. And so I asked my wife, and I said, you know what, honey? I said, they've invited me to Ethiopia, and there's this incredible need. Would you even consider going? And she looked at me kind of crazy, and, uh, and she was, really, Ethiopia? Africa? And I said, yeah. And so she began to pray about it. The next week, I mean, the very next week, uh, we were in a service, and I just mentioned the fact that we were getting ready to, to go on this trip if, if God provided the funds. 
And one person came up in the service and said, we want to cover your entire trip to Ethiopia to go and help the missionaries. Yeah, amazing stuff. So December 1, my wife and I are going to Ethiopia for like 10 days. We're going to go see what God will do with helping us to help these missionaries reach the people that are addicted to this drug called Chad. It's incredible. Great things are happening, and it's just amazing. How many of you know that people need the Lord? All right. As we look at this, uh, at this series, and as you kick off your missions month, you know, I just want you to understand this today. It's so easy for us to forget as we celebrate this, this grace of God that we have in our life. As we come to church and we hear the word of God preached, and as we learn and we grow and we seek to know the Lord more, that, that the very heart of missions is the souls of those that don't know him. Those who are lost and bound for an eternal hell. Those that are without Christ. Did you know that, that today, that 42% of the world's uh, people groups, 42% of them are unreached. There's 42% of people groups in the world today are unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Did you know that in the world today there are 6.7 billion people that populate the planet Earth? And that of the 6.7 billion people that are alive today, that 680 million people have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Is that shocking to you? It is to me. It's incredible. Do you know that in New York City there's like a little over 8 million people? We're talking 680 million people have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. It's incredible. It's overwhelming. But the hope is in this room today in you and I. And God wants you not only to know him, but he wants you to make him known. Somebody say, forget about yourself. That's right. It's not about, it's not about me. It's about him. And it's about those that are out there that don't know him. In the world today, there's 22.3 million people who are bound by substance abuse. If we, if, if we just talked about sexual immorality or... Or pornography addiction. I mean, it's just, it's, it's an epidemic in the world today. And there's people that are lost and desperately need to hear about the love of Christ. Somebody say amen. All right. And how many of you know that a message uh, that is eternal doesn't have to last for eternity? Should I say that again? A message that is eternal doesn't have to last for eternity. And so this morning, as we look at the word of God, I just want you to know that at the very heart of missions, and at the very heart of, of God this morning, is that there's people that are lost and hurting and dying without a Savior, and you and I have the Savior right here. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God poured out His Spirit, and He said, in these last days, in these last days, how many of you know that we're living in the last days? That we would be filled with the Spirit, and then that we would take the love of Christ to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You're Jerusalem right where you live. You're Judea, that space a little farther out. That we would go to the places that maybe we wouldn't normally go. Everybody say Samaria. You see, God has called us not only to home, but he's called us to the Samarias of the world. At the very heart of missions is the ministry of reconciliation we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Since then, we know that what it is to fear the Lord, that we try to persuade men. We are, we, and we are is plain to God, and hope it is to 
also plain to your conscience. Let me read that from the NIV. Let me read that from the King James and listen to what it says in the King James. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. Everybody say terror of the Lord. Knowing the terror of the Lord. We persuade men. But we are made manifest to God, and I trust also that we are made manifest to your consciences. You see, at the very heart of knowing the mission is that there is an eternal hell. Come on, everybody say eternal. There is an eternal... Some people don't preach on hell, and I'm not going to preach on hell this morning. Everybody say hell. I can't believe you said that in church this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, come on, be good. That's it. Hell, H-E double hockey sticks. It's, it's a real place. Some people don't believe in it. But you know what? The Bible clearly states that there is a place called hell who those who don't know him, the terror of the Lord will wait for them there. It is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth of eternal separation from God. There is an eternal hell. The Bible makes it clear. There is an eternal heaven. Everybody say heaven. Man, we like to hear about heaven, don't we? Come on, wave at me if I'm giving you some good news. You see, that's the thing, is that there is an eternal hell. Those who don't know Christ will spend eternity there. They won't just be blasted into oblivion. They're going to die forever. But those of us that have come to Christ, listen, we'll spend eternity in heaven. Everybody say heaven. There's an eternal hell and there's an eternal heaven and there is an eternal hope. And that is in Jesus Christ, the one that bridged the gap from heaven and hell. Amen. And you and I carry the Christ with us. Pastor Mark said this this morning. He said, I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. How many of you guys have felt the presence of the Lord in this place? Hey, can I just tell you something? He does not reside in buildings. The reason why we sense the presence of the Lord in this place is because we're the carriers of Christ. Come on, are you, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we, listen, where we go, we can invade darkness with light. Is anybody listening to me this morning? You and I are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Amen. And we don't need darkness to invade us, but we need to invade the darkness with the light. Amen. Everybody say Samaria. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. God has called you and I to know him and then to make him known. He's called us to go. It's just true. There's eternal heaven. There's eternal hell. There's a hope that bridges the gap, and there's three options that you and I have in the response to this, is that you and I can go, you and I can send, or you and I can disobey. There's no other options. You know what, how many of you want to send? Come on, wave at me. How many of you want to send somebody onto the mission field? You know, you have sent me and Debbie over the last 28 years to those that don't know Christ. But you know what, some of you, listen, it's not just enough to, to send, but we have to go ourselves. God's calling you to go. Mark chapter 16, verse 14 says this, Later Jesus appeared to the eleven. And as they were eating, he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had been risen from the dead. Verse 15 says this, And then he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned or damned. This morning, as you turn in your Bible to the book of John, chapter 4, verse 1, I want to read there, John chapter 4, starting at verse 1, about the woman at the well. Many of you know this story. It's called the woman at the well. And it's a place called Samaria. I'm so glad you're laughing. That's incredible. Come on, everybody turn to your neighbor and say, he said it twice. Samaria meets the Messiah. Incredible story. Here we see that Jesus Christ, after being tired from his journey, he stops by a place in Samaria, by a well that's Jacob's well. And he's tired and he's thirsty. And 
he happens to come across one woman who's there. By the way, she came out at the middle of the day for the sake of time. I'm not going to read the entire story, but I'm going to tell it to you. You see, she came out at the middle of the day after everybody else had already gone. And she came to the well to get some water because she was thirsty. How many of you know that people today are hungry and thirsty? They are. In a day when we want to be connected more than ever before and people trying to fill their lives with stuff. This woman was thirsty and she stops by the well to get some water. She came out in the middle of the day. Everybody else had already gone. There's a reason for that. Many of you know the story. But then the Christ comes along and he sees her and tired from his journey. How many of you know that sometimes ministry comes to your life when you're tired? Can I just tell you something? Sometimes when you're tired, maybe you need to think about the fact that maybe I'm in an opportunity that I'm going to be able to minister. Jesus could have ignored her and he could have said, man, I'm too tired. But instead he took time and he spent time with one woman and he began to speak to her. And he talks to her about water and he says, you know, the water that I give will, will, will spring up into you as, as living water and you'll never thirst again. Here's a woman who's hungry and thirsty and has tried to fill her life with things. And if you, if you stop for just a minute and think about it, you think about her life and Jesus asks her this question. She says, go get your husband. And she says, and, and, and she says I don't have a husband. He says, that's right. You've had five husbands, and the one that you're with right now is not your husband. And he begins to unfold the truth about her life. He doesn't condemn her, and he, you know, he doesn't look down on her, but he deals with her life as it is. And it's interesting to, to, to think about this, but I want to ask you something. I wonder what Jesus was thinking when he met this woman. And he could see into her life and the, prom- the promiscuity of her life and the five relationships. I can only imagine the rejection and the hurt and the pain that she had felt through being rejected by men. You know, it's interesting. When I read about this, you know what else I think about? I think about, I wonder what her mom and dad thought. Because here we read about a woman. It doesn't even say her name. There's a woman at a well who's had a past. Instead of rejecting her, ignoring her, Jesus looks through some eyes of compassion and begins to minister her in a very powerful way. She's been through broken relationship and maybe even abuse. Maybe if, you know, the things that, that were bringing pain into her whole life for choices that she had made on her own. You know, decisions that she'd made along life's road. Many people today, it's interesting how we can, we can be self-inflicted with pain. God reached into that situation right there at the well, and, and he began to do a miracle in this lady's life. And he spoke words of life to her, Jesus did. And she said, I want some of this living water. It's interesting what happened. Everybody say, he's getting ready to close now. You see, Jesus' disciples came along a little before that, and you know what? They saw the situation, and they began to judge Jesus. And they said, what's he doing with this woman? Are you guys tracking with me? How many of you are guilty like I am of judging people by the exterior? You know, I'm just telling you, I, I confess, I've been guilty, and I just pray, God, don't let me be that. Don't let me look at somebody who has piercings everywhere and tattoos and let that take me off guard not to look at the soul of a person and see the thing that is of eternal value and that's them as a person and their eternal soul. Are you with me today? You see, God wants to peel the blinders off of our life. That's a religious spirit, by the way. And I don't know about you, but I've been guilty of a religious spirit. How many of you know that God loves the entire world? And that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the entire world? Come on. Listen, uh, men, women, boys, and girls, it doesn't matter where you come from or what kind of things happen in your life. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you could be forgiven of your sin and have eternal life. And that's the most important thing on the heart of God. 
And I believe that God wants to bring some healing into the lives of some of you in this room today. Because as I talk about this, some of you can relate. If my wife stood here uh, this morning and shared her story, some of you would remember maybe that my wife's been forgiven for abortion. You see, I got her pregnant when she was 15. And I was 17. In the depths of my addiction, not in church, not having somebody speaking to my life words of life, making all the wrong choices, addicted to cocaine, got my girlfriend pregnant. She's 15 years old. She had her first abortion at 15. You see, this kind of parallels our story. And, you know, somebody reached out and loved us into the kingdom of God. At the age of 16, she had her second abortion because, man, our lives were so out of control. You know, we're just doing all the wrong stuff. I can relate with a woman at the well and how desperate she might have been. Can I just tell you that there's people all around you every day that desperately need somebody to reach out and love them into the kingdom of God. Listen to me. Listen to me. There's not only people around you, but God has called you to love people into the kingdom of God. He's placed you where you are. Can I just tell you something? It's interesting sometimes how we can go, man, I wish I was over there. How many of you know the grass is always greener on the other side? It's not. Can I just tell you that God has you where you are right now for a reason? Should I say that again? God has you where you are right now for a reason. You might be in a job situation that you think, I don't know what I'm doing here. You might be in, 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 a, in a position, in a community, and you might think, I don't know what I'm doing. Can I just tell you that God has a purpose for you being where you are? Here we see Jesus stop by Samaria, and there he is at the well. God brought him there for a reason at that time, at that moment, because that woman would be there. You know that every day there's divine connections for you that God has set up? How many of you know that God puts you in position? Come on, wave at me. It's just true. Maybe we're just not seeing it, but I want you to know something that I believe after today that you're going to see differently than you did before today. And that you're going to leave this place and you're going to be looking for God to give you divine intersections and connections with people so that you can speak words of life to them. How many of you desire to be used by God? Come on, wave at me if that's you. He's going to do it. I believe it. There's going to be a mighty harvest. You see, people are still hurting today and desperately looking for someone who has the love of God, not to judge them, but to speak words of life. Somebody say amen. I'm getting ready to close now. Number two, Jesus is still the answer. There is no other answer to fulfillment in life except the relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. And number three, God's still using ordinary people to share his message of hope and love. It's incredible to me as we look at this passage of scripture and I get ready to close. In verse 39, it says this, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman that, which testified that he told me everything that I ever did. Can I just tell you something? It's interesting this morning as I stood in the altar and a woman came forward. First, her husband came forward and said, pray with me. I just want more of God. How many of you want more of God? Come on, wave at me. I believe that God wants to give you the desires of your heart. I do, for real. He doesn't want to give you more just for the sake of giving you more. He wants to give you more so that you can be lit up for him. So that you'll be on fire when you leave this place and people will watch you burn. Your passion for God and for the lost. Come on, everybody say for the lost. You see, it's interesting because when this lady encountered Jesus Christ, the Son of God, something happened. She left her water pot. She left that place and she went back into the city and she told everybody about Jesus Christ. You gotta come and you gotta hear this guy that told me everything about my past because it was the Messiah, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Can I just tell you something? Some of you are going to leave this place today and you're going to go back into Fayetteville. You're going to go back into Hope Mill and the surrounding areas, wherever it is that you live, and you're going to tell people to come and hear about Jesus and what he did in my life. Come on, everybody stand to your feet with me this morning. Will you do that? I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt this morning that God wants to do 
Two things. He wants to bring healing into your life, and he wants to touch your life and send you out of here with a fresh passion and a vision for the lost. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me?